0: Hello and welcome to another Banking Transform Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. Inclusive and accessible digital experiences are more important now than ever before. 61 million adults in the US live with a disability, and the average American reads to a seventh or eighth grade level. Are your digital platforms, content, campaigns, and social media posts? easily accessible and understood by all or are they excluding a huge portion of your potential online audience? We are fortunate to have James Degnan, Inclusion Accessibility Specialist at Texthelp and Jeff Whistle, Director of the Office of Consumer Accessibility at Fidelity Investments on the show. We'll discuss the rationale and benefits of ensuring that websites, social media and customer engagement are accessible and inclusive. Inclusivity and accessibility are concepts that have an increasingly important role in financial marketing. Beyond creating content that is sensitive to differences in race, gender, or cultural background, inclusivity and accessibility in communication means much more. Marketers must take into account age, disabilities, socioeconomic status, sexuality, employment type, language, geography and other dynamics that can make communication less accessible to segments of the population. Failing to do so can have a negative legal and financial impact. Being aware of diversity in the marketplace, however, can have a significant upside. As mentioned earlier, we have two guests on the show today. First off, we have James Degnan, inclusion and accessibility specialist at Textel, a leader in digital inclusion and accessibility software. We also have Jeff Whistle, Director of the Office of Customer Accessibility for Fidelity Investments. So to start us off today, can both of you introduce yourselves and give the people a quick overview of what you mean by chatting about digital accessibility and online inclusion? James? Thanks, Jim. I
1: appreciate you uh, uh, having us on the show today. My name is James Degnan. As Jim had said, I specialize in promoting inclusion accessibility in the workplace. Uh, I myself, am also neurodiverse. I have ADD. So that should provide some context on uh, how I can relate to accessibility in general.
2: And Jeff. Hi, Jim. Um, And thanks for this opportunity on behalf of uh, Fidelity Investments. We're um, honored to be here. So I'm Jeff Whistle. And um, to give an audio description of myself, I'm a middle-aged Caucasian male with uh, very short, uh, light brown hair. I'm proud to say I'm a user of assistive technologies um, as I have um, a degenerative eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa, so I'm uh, legally blind and I'm dependent upon screen reading technology. When I refer to digital accessibility and online inclusion, it's really about being intentional about our development and design to ensure that all of our associates and customers can fully participate. Online inclusion is really ensuring that we're meeting our customers where they are in that our content is more of a kaleidoscope view as opposed to a single lens that everybody must fit within.
0: It's interesting because as I get older,
2: I'm realizing how important it is
0: to have screens that are easier to be read that I don't have to adjust or communication that's, you know, we sometimes get into jargonese. So, you know, often we talk about inclusion and diversity in banking, but some of our listeners may not be familiar with how this impacts communication or why this concept should be important. James, can you discuss the why? Absolutely. So, Inclusion
1: and diversity are obviously hot topics
0: currently being
1: discussed, you know, with many organizations across the United States. But um, I think what's often overlooked when thinking about accessibility is, uh, Jeff had alluded to it before, but meeting our customers where they are and making sure that they have the necessary resources to have an, a customer experience that is uh, applicable to everyone, that it's uh, inclusive and equal across the board. Um, A lot of brands, I think, think that they're inclusive, but they really miss the mark when you're looking at web accessibility specifically. Uh, When we recently did a white paper where we scanned 30 of the top financial institutions in the nation, and of the technical accessibility, let's just say that a lot of it needs improvement, but a surprising fact that we'll get to a little bit later on: the average reading age across those all thirty of those sites was nineteen. Um, so I think when just to put that in a little bit of context for people, what most people do not uh, do not understand about that the fact that the reading age is 19 across all these websites is that the average reading age in the United States and Canada of a typical adult is between the ages of 12 to 14. Let that sink in for a minute. So we're providing content and services that is described and written in a, at a grade level that is five, five grade levels higher than what the average American can, can understand.
0: Wow. You know, Jeff, as, as we talk about that, we talk about just the reading accessibility, what would you say to bankers who claim that the majority of users and customers don't have accessibility needs?
2: For me, Jim, I would say that this type of claim is formed by the lack of proximity. 70% of, disabil- of, dis- of disabilities are invisible, and 70% of disabilities are you know, formed by, and I'm using air quotes, the glorious aging process. So when we say one out of four people throughout the world have some form of a disability, it's hard to imagine because we can't see 70% of them. And I think, therefore, it's critically important for those of us who are directly impacted by disabilities or indirectly impacted by disabilities through a spouse, partner, family member, or friends, Um, to to really share personal stories and and bring that proximity. I think about Fidelity. We have our employee resource group called Fidelity Enable for associates with disabilities. We have over 5,000 active members and many of them self-disclosed various disabilities. We have thousands of comments from our customer base where they self-disclosed various disabilities and how that impacts their their ability to do business with companies. So for me, that that claim is really more of just not seeing it. It's there, and it's up to all of us to to make it present and and bring that proximity to senior leadership and and everywhere that we can, because it is there. So, So sticking with you,
0: Jeff, you know, sometimes we see as accessibility and readability into websites and communication is seen as optional, maybe because we're so used to just presenting it as we presented and having the person themselves have to make the adjustments. It's certainly not easy to accomplish. Why is this important at Fidelity?
2: I would say this is extremely important to us at Fidelity. Um, If you think about at Fidelity, I mean, we are fortunate to be one of the world's leading providers for 401k and 403b retirement services. Tens of millions of employees are counting on Fidelity to help them with their retirement planning. We have millions of customers who count on us to help them with their personal investing needs. We have over 55,000 associates who work tirelessly on being customer-obsessed. We simply want to make sure that every one of our associates has what they need and, and, and how they need to use our technology in a way that helps them and all of our customers fully participate in our products and services. Um, you know, we place a tremendous amount of focus on enhancing our accessibility capabilities, and we're also requiring that of our suppliers. We procure thousands of products and services, and we wanna make sure that you know, we, we are asking before we buy, because we, want, we don't wanna exclude anybody. I mean, who wants to exclude 15% of a potential customer base? Um, and we feel that everyone counts, everyone matters, and everyone needs to be able to, to be involved, um, especially with finances, which is very personal.
0: So, James, when we discuss the need for inclusion and accessibility, especially accessibility, we often reference the American Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, can you explain a little bit about the legal obligations around accessibility and inclusion that are what our listeners should be aware of?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So when it comes to the Americans with Disabilities Act or ADA, uh, in 2018, basically, the DOJ said that your website is an extension of your storefront. And like making physical accommodations for your storefront, the same thing needs to be done for your website. So under Title II and Three of the ADA, that's you are required by law to make sure that your website is compliant. Now, in order for a website to be compliant, you need to adhere to the WCAG 2.1 guidelines. Now, WCAG stands for Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, and they were created by the World Wide Web Consortium. And what the goal is of WCAG is to create a standard structure which allows users to engage with your website. Now, this is particularly important for customers who use assistive technology such as a screen reader. Now, this is a big issue across the entire globe, but specifically here in the United States, some big names that have been hit hard by digital accessibility are Domino's, Netflix, Amazon, and Beyonce are just a few names that have already incurred digital accessibility lawsuits. It's really important not only to follow the WCAG structure, but also make sure that the content is readable so that it can be understood by your entire audience. That is what we mean when we say digital accessibility from an ADA perspective.
0: So James, when when banks and financial institutions focus on improving the experience of their customers with disabilities, they they have to go beyond that, don't they? They have to go beyond the ADA and go beyond technical accessibility, what should organizations do further, and where should they start? That's a that's a great
1: question. So technical accessibility is a great starting point because it's clear cut. It it's either meets WCAG or it doesn't, right? And when we recommend going beyond technical accessibility and, and the structure of your website, we're talking about content creation and readability. And we bring this up because it's often one of the most overlooked pieces when looking at web accessibility the analogy i think of for the two parts of web accessibility is the building of a house you can create a sturdy frame and you know an external set of walls that really holds up your structure but if you don't fill in the walls and the weathering and if they're not done correctly you're going to have a sturdy house full of holes and readability are in a web accessibility standpoint are currently the walls and the weathering and it's unknown to many businesses that they already have large gaps in what they see as a whole and complete structure and by filling in those gaps you'll be able to have your customers not only understand your content better but they'll have a better user experience that they'll pass on to other users or or return for future business
0: so so jeff you know, we're, we're talking about going beyond the basics. Could you discuss some of the ways that Fidelity went further than what was required to meet the needs of those who have difficulty with traditional communications?
2: Absolutely. I want to piggyback off of what James was saying. One of the things that our employee resource group did um, in the past two years with our properties group We did a walkthrough with a lot of associates who had various disabilities, visible, invisible, and so forth. And um, going above, as James mentioned, if if a door has a five pound per square inch push-pull ratio, technically, again, air quotes, it's accessible. But for an individual, an associate, or um, an individual who uses a manual wheelchair for mobility and upper body weakness, maybe cerebral palsy, Trying to back up and pull that door open, it, it, that instead of five pound per square inch push pull ratio, that easily could be a thousand pounds to that individual. So technically, it's accessible, but it's not quote unquote usable. I think that really ties into a couple examples that I'd like to share from uh, you know a technology standpoint. Um, in our personal investing um, business unit, we actually have an accessibility help desk. So for customers who are navigating our websites and and mobile apps, if they're using assistive technology and running into any type of accessibility barriers, this team provides that extra level of assistance. They have the software on their computers and so forth um, to to provide assistance while they're they're using our products and services. Another example, our learning and development team, we have um, 15 functions of learning and development throughout our enterprise. There's an accessibility champion on each of those L&D teams, learning and development teams. And they've put together a lot of inclusive programs, um, trainings for our phone associates and our branch associates. Again, bringing that proximity to the table and really how do you best interact with someone who shares with you that they're deaf, hard of hearing, blind, low vision, and so forth. Um, We want our customers to feel like they found their people And a big part of that is just providing the training, the awareness and and creating every experience with empathy um, as a beginning point. And I think one of the the last examples, um, we thrive on customer feedback as it pertains to accessibility. And if there are any pain points or accessibility barriers that our customers encounter, We have the ability to get that feedback directly to the developers and designers of that product or service to really help prioritize the remediation efforts. Um, So there's just a couple of examples of how we try to go above. Um, There's still so much more we want and need to do, um, but accessibility is certainly a journey as we all know.
0: So Jeff, you mentioned that a lot of these disabilities are invisible and being invisible Two things happen. Number one, from my perspective, is number, number one, how do you find out what barriers there are that, that don't come out right every day? You know, it may be a minor segment. It may be something that you don't realize that this disability may have this impact. Anything from, you know, uh, blindness, in your case, to to, to Alzheimer's, age, all these other items. How do you find those micro-segments? where there is a disability that that makes it so, well, your site is inaccessible. And on the other side of that, how do you make it so consumers with these disabilities find out that you fixed, at least tried to fix, that problem for them?
2: It's a, it's a great question. There's um, multiple ways to answer that. I, I want to share, I, I think, two examples of how we find the different segments and, and uncover the um, you know the the various communities, disability communities, and so forth. And I mentioned a kaleidoscope lens earlier. Um, I, I think about my eye disease and the lens that I look at life through. That's just my experience. There's so many other individuals who share the same eye disease who have totally different symptoms and um, characteristics of it. So really finding as many viewpoints and use cases as possible is one of those key areas that we find this in but we realize that accessibility is a journey and every company and organization is they're at various stages of this journey we follow the philosophy that when we share best practices with other companies and organizations it ensures that when one of us wins in the accessibility space we all win And I think, you know, our friends at J.P. Morgan. we've done several conference presentations with them. And and one of the titles that we use is Competitors in Business, Collaborators in Accessibility. No one has this uh, all figured out. But when we share, we learn, and we all improve and get better together. Um, And there's that phrase that is very common out there, nothing about us without us. That's one of the key ways, too, um, Jim, that we find out about the various segments. Um, And the other thing I want to share, too, oftentimes large companies and organizations have policies that were created a long time ago and are still in place today. When we evaluate our policies and procedures, we try to look at the various use cases that our, our customers have shared with us. Um, about barriers that they may have encountered, and so forth, and we we look at those policies and procedures with that lens in mind to think, okay, is this you know we're doing this for cybersecurity and risk and fraud and all these things, but is it causing barriers um, unintentionally? And what we find is when we do f- find an issue like that and we fix it, it fixes it for not only the accessibility use case but for everybody. Um, so a lot of things that we find are, are customer satisfiers for many segments, not just the disability segment.
0: James, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things that Fidelity has done. Could you share some examples from some of your other clients?
1: Yeah, so in terms of uh, solutions that other customers uh, have implemented in in terms of uh, implementing web accessibility or accessibility across their organizations. Uh, One initiative that Jeff had mentioned that I've seen elsewhere implemented by customers is the implementation of a customer accessibility help desk. Uh, This is really important in providing an option for users that may just need a little bit more help. Um, One of the features of a tool set that TextHelp actually offers called ReachDeck is our toolbar and how customers have implemented that on their website. It provides a set of tools that are a premium feature for navigating a website where somebody might just require a little bit of extra help. Uh, for example, it does text to speech. It can do translation in over 100 different languages with 50 of them being spoken back in their native tongue. So the to answer your question, the solutions that I've seen really work is providing a outlet for customers that feel that they might not have a voice or an avenue f- to finding a solution as well as providing technology that's going to ultimately empower self-service to get over the hurdle.
0: So, you know, James, I know you mentioned um, earlier in the conversation that you conducted some research into the accessibility and readability of websites and some of the, from some of the top national and community banks. Can you talk a little bit about the findings and was it a positive picture or, or negative?
1: Yeah, that's actually a great question. So, we did scan 30 of the top financial institutions' websites for not only technical accessibility but the readability piece that I've been harping on. And you know, I don't want to detract from the businesses, but the it was not really a positive picture when you look at the technical accessibility of these 30 websites. So, 15 of the websites were uh, national retail banks, and 15 of them were community banks. So we, we wanted to look at both of the 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 retail sides of of the banking, of, pardon me, of banking. Now, what was found was close to 150,000 WCAG single and double a errors across the all 30 or pardon me, across the 30 sites. Now, that breaks down to about 4900 errors per domain which is quite a lot when you think about it. Now, I just to put it into perspective, what web accessibility might be uh, for somebody is, or a challenge or WCAG issue or guideline that might come up is alternative text, for example. Um, Most people, although we provide options for alternative text in lots of our programs, including all of G Suite, Word, whatnot, um, most people don't know what alternative text is. And alternative text is, providing a description of a picture or image that cannot be read by a screen reader. So for somebody that has low visibility or maybe legally blind, it provides them context of what that image is trying to describe because they don't have the ability to see it. Now, most people aren't aware of what alternative text is. So just by taking a few moments to add meaningful alternative text can really make a difference on somebody's overall experience on the website. So the last thing that you know I had mentioned before in terms of what our scans found, but I found to be really important or an eye opener, is that the average reading age across all of these sites is 19 years old. Now, I had said it before, but average reading age at 12 to 14, yet content is written to 19. When you're going to buy, you know, financial services, you know, you really want to understand exactly what you're buying or planning for in the future. And my question to a lot of these retail banks is, how are you really communicating what you're going to provide in terms of a benefit if your end users can't
0: understand what you're saying? So on that topic, Jeff, we discussed a lot about physical disabilities up to now. As we become more digitally post-pandemic, and there are user groups that we are cognizant of that, that have been impacted. In other words, uh, older clients, there's a lot more older uh, customers using digital technology that hadn't been used before, and also maybe those of, with lower literacy. How have you addressed lower literacy areas and older consumers as segments that you have to get better communicating with?
2: Well, Jim, this has actually been a, an area of focus for, for us for many years. Like many financial organizations, our client base, you know, skews towards the um, the sixty and urban segment. And what complicates things, being a highly regulated industry, there's a lot of regulatory jargon <laughs> that we're subject to, um, a lot of disclaimers, um, legalese, and so forth, um, which makes just inherently. The content harder to describe. It's similar to the healthcare industry in, in that matter. Um, so our corporate communications group and um, government, agent, government relations has been working with our regulatory um, organizations to try to find ways to simplify some of the terminology. Um, our corporate Communications team and our learning and development teams have been working on creating um, language that's clearer, more concise, definitely more inclusive um, in everything that we do, whether it be a, a, a newsletter, a website content, um, like like James mentioned, really trying to, to, you know, how can we take a lot of critically important information? Finances are one of the most personal things that we all have to deal with in our lives. We need to make sure that all of our customers, age and and regardless of age for that matter, can fully understand, comprehend, participate, um, know what decisions they're making and, and how that decision is going to impact their livelihood and so forth. So lots of focus um, on the content and also working with regulator, regulators and regulatory industries on this to, to see how we can make this different. The other thing I wanted to share, too, it's also learning styles. Um, one bit of content in one fashion, again, that one lens, doesn't fit for everyone. Can we do things like take um, a prospectus and almost make it like a podcast or have an audible version of it? All these different ways of thinking about it because we all learn differently and we all comprehend differently. So it's a multifaceted approach, um, and it's a journey that we're, I think we're all on as well. Well, I'll tell you what, this, this is a wide scope. You know, I, I go
0: back to the old days when people came into branch, picked up brochures and we didn't do very well back then. But with all these new ways to communicate, all these new channels, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff, the, the, the different ways to use different channels to help address a need out there is enormous. You know, James, with your engagements with clients with text help, what are some of the most common challenges you see with organizations as they try to address this massive area of communication.
1: I would say one of well, there's a, a couple large challenges that face businesses across the board. And I think it's knowledge and understanding of what the actual problem is. You know, I don't I don't want to call it ignorance because I don't think that brands don't care. I think it's just not knowing often. And by Providing, you know, listening to discussions such as this, working with technology, and corrective technology that will or assistive technology that will correct some of these issues, I think bring a lot of the information to the forefront where companies maybe were slightly aware of it in the past, but weren't weren't aware of the the depth and the technical understanding that is needed within their own ecosystem or website, they don't know what those requirements are. So I think that's one of the largest challenges is not knowing. And, you know, I think sometimes it's also referred to, and it's, the definition is more encompassing is ableism and that, you know, us as a society, we often look at the general population and, and as Jeff had said before, you know, 70% of disabilities are invisible, we make you know judgments just by visual inspection often and we're we're, we can be way off and if businesses just take the opportunity to understand the requirements of customers and take the time to ask uh it's often easier to to really overcome those challenges
0: Yeah. Jeff, you know, it's interesting. We discussed today just a lot of information and, and, you know, financial institutions have a lot on their table right now just to get through the regular day. When you look at accessibility and inclusion, this is a whole new level of intensity and impact that can be made. And it's really hard to get a, t- a team behind all this, unless, you know, like at Fidelity, you have a team that actually does. this. But it it's very clear that even at Fidelity, the importance of partners that are going down this process as specialists in the industry are pretty important. Would you agree that if an organization really wants to make an impact, wants to make it quickly, wants to make it effectively, and wants to not leave anything on the table, that it's important to partner with organizations that, that go down that path as part of their daily job as opposed to trying to do it entirely internally?
2: I would say in a, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, I, I think one of the, the key things that any organization or corporation can do is to create a culture for the associates that empowers them to embrace, in this case, their disabilities as a strength and not a weakness. When that happens, and speaking from personal experience, when you embrace a disability as a strength, it's empowering. And you start to bring your authentic self to work each and every day. And a disability can can create a diversity of thought that is so critical to, as I say, the proximity, Um, especially today, companies are agile and the agile business methodology. So an average team size might be six to eight associates. If those six to eight associates aren't thinking about disability or use cases for vision, hearing, mobility, cognition, neurodiversity, um, all the different areas, it's going to be an inferior product or service so a big part of that is internal and um, a lot of it starts and um, is enhanced through employee resource groups but absolutely partnering with other companies other organizations the disability communities listening to podcasts presenting on podcasts um, finding information and building that network no one has this figured out a hundred percent but All of us have pieces of the answer. And when we share best practices with each other, and I quote Microsoft, Jenny Le Fleury, and Megan Lawrence all the time, they say, when one of us wins in this space, we all win. It is so true. We all win when we're we're better together. Um, So absolutely, collaborating, sharing best practices, and making mistakes along the way is a critical part of the process as well. We have to test new things and listen to what customers and associates have to say um, with various lenses. You you know, it's interesting, Jeff, you make it
0: very clear, especially Fidelity and and some of the other companies you've mentioned. This is a cultural shift. This is not just a communications plan. This is not a project. This is not something that is simply an outward-facing technology or an outward-facing mentality around what you do for customers. You, you've made it very clear throughout this entire podcast that this is really about a culture shift in embracing differences, um, diversity, and, and accessibility for people internal as well as external. And it becomes a, a major cultural issue that helps the, the organization become stronger. So finally, if, if you both had one piece of advice to give our listeners, who are keen to take on the action on accessibility as difficult as it can be, what would they, what would you suggest is be where they start? I'm going to, I'm going to start with you, Jeff.
2: I, I think James and I could probably talk on this for, for an hour each and not cover everything. Um, I, I truly believe acknowledging that um, we are where we are in, in our companies and we're going to be on a, accessibility journey that might be very young in this maturity in some aspects or other companies might be farther along. And, you know, there's there's organizations out there, there's awards that you can, you know, participate in for accessibility, disability inclusion, and so forth. And when you see companies receiving 100% and you look at the surveys and you think, oh, what would we score? We're so far behind. Whatever the case is, starting today, and looking for those resources. There's many organizations out there that help with this. They help to raise the level of conversation around accessibility and diversity inclusion to the senior most levels. There are roadmaps out there. Find one of those roadmaps. Disability In is one organization that comes to mind and start asking those questions with, with leadership. Every one of us is a mentor and a mentee At Fidelity, it really started organically, first through our employee resource group, and then we launched this Office of Customer Accessibility and a procurement accessibility program. It wasn't something from senior leadership on down. Every individual has the ability to impact change, and we have that ability to impact change today. Like running a marathon, it starts with that first step, but there's organizations and there's information out there to help get started. That's great. James,
0: what's your take
2: on where an organization should start?
0: Jeff said
1: it pretty well in first and foremost, understanding that it's a journey and that not it's not one size fits all and that there's no silver bullet to accessibility, that it's going to be a work in progress and it's going to take hard work. What I, in terms of how brands and what a business can do in terms of understanding their, their current ecosystem and what they can offer from a digital accessibility standpoint, I think is acknowledging that disability and accessibility is about experience and perception and that it's in the eyes or the experience of the, the end user. And that often you might not be able to understand some of these challenges and that you really need to ask not only your customers, but your internal employees as well. And it seems that, you know, Organizations such as Fidelity Investments are already making great strides at this, but as Jeff said, there's going to be organizations that are behind the curve. And I think being patient and working your way through it is not only going to be you know, better for your customers, but ultimately your brand in the long run as your all your content and everything will become not only more accessible, but understandable by, by everyone involved.
0: You know, gentlemen, I will tell you that one of the biggest benefits for this podcast for me on a a very selfish basis is the education I receive. And I have to admit, um, this is a big education for me on on what's possible, what's being done out there, what isn't being done. And I, I think this is a great example of an area that Many times may not get prioritized, but is extraordinarily important, not from a legal perspective as much as from a cultural perspective. You know, Jeff mentioned, and you did too, James, that that within the organization, employees will know if you're doing something in the community that's helping accessibility and diversity and beyond simply nice comments on the on the statement of condition or the the quarterly review or annual review. And I think it's important for people to understand there are companies out there that can help you in this journey, that can make this very big thing that you have to do become easier and break it into parts. Um, Texthelp Help is certainly an organization that focuses on the technology needed to provide better accessibility and diversity in the marketplace. Also, if I'm not mistaken, James, you offer a a way for organizations to reach out to you and actually have your website and digital presence reviewed with regard to accessibility, correct?
1: That is correct. Yes. We're we're offering a free consultation for your website to understand what the the current challenges you face from a web accessibility standpoint and also readability standpoint and you know as I had said before, these are really important because, um, in this case, ignorance isn't bliss. It, it really takes away from your customers, the community, everyone involved when the website's not accessible. So, reach out to us. We are happy to do a, a consultation of your your site and uh, you know put put together a plan on what that journey might look like in terms of um, really enhancing your digital accessibility.
0: Again. Thank you to both of you for being on the show today. I really appreciate what you've discussed today. And, and as I said, um, I got quite an education here and I'm, I'm sure our listeners did as well. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform Solutions, a new banking podcast that focuses on innovative solutions for financial institutions. We'd like to thank Texthelp for sponsoring this show. If you're a solution provider wanting to discuss how you can help bankers and credit unions solve a major marketplace challenge, drop me an email. We're keen to help. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, not everyone consumes content in the same way. Don't miss opportunities caused by misguided communication.